Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Always, always, always good for me to be here with you. Thank you for Thank you for having me again. It's so nice as I've been driving down here. It's just a beautiful part of the world. It really is. And you guys are blessed to be here. And every time I drive into our our building here, I just think, hasn't the Lord been good to us? You know, God has been good to us. And uh, I believe we've got to live our lives grateful about the goodness of God and always be reminded. But I want to get straight into this this morning. And I've called this message today, I've called this message, Keep the Fire Burning. And this is a, this is a, real, this is a real word for us as the church Certainly for me, and I've had to revisit this word many times over as I've, you know, you whenever, well, I do anyway, whenever you come and bring a message on a Sunday, it's got to be worked out here first. It's got to be lived out of this place first. Otherwise, it's just words we're giving you for 30 minutes and then we go away and we've forgotten what we've said. But it's a word that's got to be worked out here first. And so this word has been worked out and will continue to be worked out, continue to be visited and revisited in my own life because I want to talk to you today about being the church that does not let the fire stop burning. And with that comes encounters with God. I mean, it's a pretty exciting word to say we've had an encounter with God. I don't know how you sum that out up, how you word that, how you explain that. Sometimes an encounter with God is hard to talk to someone else about because it was a moment that you had with God. And you know something of our story, I guess, or maybe not if uh, we've not met before. But, you know, for us to come to that lounge room encounter uh, well over 40 years ago now and you know it was not one of those dramatic moments it was not one of those times where lightning is striking where we're falling to the ground where we're shaking or there's a preacher in the room there's no there's no one in the room other than me one Saturday Byron the following Saturday whereby simply out of here, there's this prayer that is offered to God. If you're there, if you're real, here I am, do something with my life kind of moment. It was one of those prayers. It wasn't even a, you know, this is how you get saved moment, because who knows how to do that, other than somewhere in the depths of your being, there's a There's a wanting, there's a longing, there's a knowing that I need a saviour and I'm willing and ready to open up my life to the saviour coming into my life. It was one of those moments and out of that one little moment and it was nothing more than maybe a couple of minutes because, you know, when you first give your life to the Lord, well, I didn't. How do you pray? What do you say? You know, does God, is God looking for a certain formula of praying? What is he looking for in us? He's looking for a heart that genuinely and authentically wants to connect with him and invite him in. And it was one of those times. And out of this one little prayer of this lounge room moment that I call it, um, one of the things that became very evident was that our desires had changed. That happened with Byron the week after. It happened with me the week before. Desires had changed. And 
what had happened with those desires was how can you go from which I don't even know what hotels do anymore. We've been out of that world or Byron's been out of that world so long. But there used to be a time here in Australia where the, the hotels were open at session time. You know, I think it was 10 in the morning. For those of you that have lived in that place, you'll be able to. And I think it was at night for two-hour window or something. So Byron's Sunday was let's go to the pub for session time, fill up, load up, and then, you know, do what you do for the rest of the day. That was his Sunday. Well, how do you go from one little prayer, Jesus, if you're real, and... I want to believe in you. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm willing to open up my heart to you. How do you go from one little prayer, one little, one little thought, one little cry to your whole life being transformed in, a, in, a, in kind of what's felt like an overnight change? Who would have thought that one prayer, just one prayer could have set a whole pattern of events in our lives that have brought us to this present moment? Here I am all of these decades later, 40 plus years later, still talking about that one little time on the lounge room floor where was God there, couldn't see, couldn't feel, no lightning, no shaking, no rolling, no anything other than one little prayer and what happens out of that is your desires change. Your desires change. I want to go to church. Where do we go? I don't know. What does that look like? I don't even own a Bible. Where do we get a Bible? What Bible should we read? Where do you start? Do you start at Genesis or do you go to Revelation? Should I start in the middle? What do you do with that? All you know is that out of one little prayer, it sets off this journey of changed desires. And now you want to be with like-minded people. You want to be with people who are talking about Jesus, talking about God, talking about the things of, you know, what's happening in church. How do you pray? What does that look like? What should I do? Easter was coming. Do I eat meat or don't eat meat? I've grown up, don't eat red meat. You'll go to, you know, the place you don't want to go. And so, you know, just don't do that. And so all of a sudden your world is tipped upside down and you realize that you've now joined you've now joined the ranks of people in the bible where their lives have been changed turned around transformed their lives have been set on a journey because they met Jesus their stories might be recorded in the bible my story and yours is recorded in heaven their names were changed. Their identities were altered. You know, futures were altered. Nations were turned around. Families were rescued and spared and protected. People encounter God. We've encountered the Lord. And I remember asking my Bible college principal one day, I said, how do I know if I've still got salvation? And he said, Anne, do you still have a desire for God? You know, because I wanted to know, well, will this be here today and gone tomorrow? Is it like one of those things I've got to earn my stripes in this? I've got to keep doing the right thing or else God's going to say, out you go. I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand his, his kind of grace. And so there was a lot to learn as I went through this discovery of the Lord, but I realized that we too have now joined 
the company of others that have encountered, encountered the Lord. And we began to speak about this word encounter this year, you know, not because we wanted some kind of clever word that we were, we were bantering around. It was time to experience and encounter the living God. It was time to experience his presence all over again. It was time to experience the refreshing rain of the Holy Spirit. It was, it was time to move with God to be healed and to be encouraged. And, you know, it was time to wipe the dust off our feet. There comes a time when you've got to roll up your mat Tuck it under your arm if you have to and keep on moving with with the Lord. And to dig, as I said, a fresh well right where we're at. I mean, if ever there's been a scattering and a smattering right across the globe, there has. But now's the time for us to begin to declare fresh water is coming where I'm at. I'm going to change the world I live in where I'm at. I'm going to change the space that I occupy every single day. Occupy until I come, the scripture tells us. So therefore, we the people of God can change where we're at where we're at. And so God begins to speak and we encounter him and sometimes we misinterpret encounter. We think that encounter's got to look like that or else it's not encounter. And what I've realized and in my walk with God is that my encounter with the Lord can look like this at one point and then it can look like that then. And then it can look like that. If you follow the scriptures... Jesus never seemed to heal in one way. I mean, one minute he's spitting, you know, really. Next minute he's saying a word to a person that's not even in his proximity. Next time he's talking to his disciples, well, why aren't you boys doing something about this? There was never a a box. The kingdom of God is like that. It is, a, it is a walk of his spirit for us to be led by his spirit. We spoke about things like mountain this year. And I don't know what that does to you, but if you talk about a mountain experience, it sounds, you know, I, I don't know, it sounds kind of all right, doesn't it? I mean, let's go to the mountain kind of moment. But it was more than a... It was more than going to say, you know, we took a few people to Mount Tambourine to encounter with the Lord. But it wasn't about just going to Mount Tambourine, having a scone or two and having a coffee. It was about going to Mount Tambourine so that we could set aside time to be refreshed. And one of the things that I believe that God is beginning to do with us as a church this year is that he's beginning to change our perspective. We've got to have a renewed way of thinking. And I want to talk to you this morning about keeping the fire burning in your life. And I want to touch on a few things as much as time permits, as much as time permits about how to keep the fire burning. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, follow me? Those words haven't changed. He's still saying, follow me. He still, he hasn't altered his word. Here's the revised word of God. Don't bother about following me. You'll not find a Bible that says that. And if you do, you need to throw it away. The words of Jesus that he said to his disciples are just as true and just as powerful today as they were in the day when the disciples were following him. 
And so we've got to follow in the ways of the Lord and it is time to build again. But encounter is another thing. It's not a passive thing. Encounter is, you know, sometimes is, you know, people get this feeling if I just sit, you know, if I just sit and I'll just wait until Jesus just comes my way. It's a bit like the man at the pool. I got no one to put me into the pool. You know, and if I, if I had time to sort of talk about that, there are multiple ways that man could have got to the pool. But we don't have time to go there. Instead, he sat in his spot. I got no one to get me into the water. And I tell you, this is not a time to sit on our mats. This is not a time to say, I'm waiting for someone to come and do it for me. This is not a passive moment in the kingdom of God right now. This is a time where the church rises up, keeps the fire burning in their bellies, do what we have to do, have a kingdom perspective and say, I will follow him. I will follow him. Sometimes encounter is as simple as opening up the Bible. And that's been probably an ongoing story for me, is that I open up the pages of my Bible. <clears throat> had to go and buy a new one the other day. It actually was a bit of a, was a, bit of a moment, I've got to say. My old Bible, literally the pages are falling out as I open it up. And I refused to part with it, and I didn't want to get it fixed because it tells the story of my life. It means I've been there many times, and I did not want to get a new one. I just did not want to get a new one. And finally, it got to a point of such disrepair, I thought, this is ridiculous. I don't even know where this page is meant to fit anymore. The cover was gone. It was just a mess. So I went through the aisles of Kurong, selected a new Bible. It's too shiny. It's too sticky. It's too new. It's too perfect. It's just, it's, it's not worn. It's just so I'm going to give it a workout right there. But I tell you what, you've got to get the word from here to here, from there to there. And let the Word of God dwell richly within us so that we're just not mental ascent, head knowledge kind of, yeah, I know that scripture from somewhere in my past, but the Word's got to dwell richly within us. Sometimes your encounter with God is that that scripture feels like it's leaping off the page to me and I've got to walk that out, live that out, pray that out maybe. And so often that's been the way that I've encountered the Lord and no one else has been present but me and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes encounter is a moment of intense determination. I don't know whether you've ever been there, but it's like the clenched fist, the clenched jaw kind of moment. Like Jacob in Genesis 32, I am not leaving here until you bless me. I'm not moving from this place until you bless me. I don't know whether you've ever been there. I've been there a few times and it's because something has mattered so deeply that I refused to move until God gave me something. Even if it was peace, even if it was hope, even if it was clarity, even if it was an answer, even if it was that sense of confidence, my prayer 
has gone beyond this brass ceiling and I know somehow it's reached the ears of God. Have you ever been there? Like right there? Or sometimes that there is, God has released me from that. It's no longer mine to carry. It's gone. It's finished. It's gone. I don't know, but sometimes encounter looks like that. But where do we go from encounter? Once you've encountered the Lord, once he's done something in you, where do we go next? And, you know, the, probably the caution that I've got, and I say this for me that has been on this journey now for a lot of decades, is keeping that fire going. It's keeping that fire going. Because you've been doing it, and as they say, familiarity can be a real problem to us. Because it's familiar, we settle, and we settle back, and we become passive, or we just become cold or lukewarm. And I tell you, for us, for me, put myself at the front of the line, I want to talk to you today about keeping this fire going. Let's, let's go into Leviticus 6. I'll, I'll abbreviate some of this for time's sake, but Leviticus 6, 8, 8 through to 10, then Leviticus 12, verse 13. It says here that the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar, the altar hearth throughout the night until morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. And then in verse 12 to 13 of the same chapter, sorry, Leviticus 6, 12 to 13, it says the fire on the altar must, must be kept burning and it must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously and it must not go out. We sometimes look at these Old Testament scriptures and say, that's Old Testament. Here's what I've learned with all of that. Old Testament, we had Father God. New Testament, we had Jesus, the Son. And when Jesus went to heaven, he left us Holy Spirit. The three are in one. God has not changed. If he said back there, and they were the customs of the day back there, don't let the fire go out. It was the same thing when Jesus came to the earth. Don't let the fire go out. Except now what's burning isn't just a, a fire over there, somewhere in that tabernacle. We are now the tabernacle of God, the presence of God. We are now the priests of God. We are now the one that the Holy Spirit resides in us. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost right now and the fire that burned back in the Old Testament is the fire that burns in here now. Jesus has gone, left us with the Holy Spirit and the fire must not go out. Must not go out. What was the fire? The fire was a reminder of God's power. The fire was a sign of God's presence. And the fire was a constant visual that he was and is and always will be the source. He is the source. If we lose that sense of source, S-O-U-R-C-E, not the other tomato sauce one. If he is our source, we've got to keep going back to the source. 
we got to keep going back to who he is. We've got to keep revisiting the altar. The other thing is here that it says in this scripture that even during the nighttime hours, the fire was never to go out. Now let's just pause for a little second here. In the nighttime hours, the fire was not to go out. Let's put this into our context. What are our nighttime hours? Does that mean that we've got to stay awake 24 hours of the day? Some do. I know people like that. That's not what we're talking about. What about the nighttime hours when trouble hits, when pressure comes, when jobs are lost? What about the nighttime hours that it's your darkest time and you never thought that life could get as dark as what it is right now? What about in our nighttime times when pressure is mounted or worry and fear and anxiety seem to be everywhere you look in you and around you? What about in the nighttime hours or days or months of our lives when disappointment just keeps growing all around you. What are we to do with that? And yet the scripture says, even in the night time, keep the fire burning. How do we do that? We all say, yes, I agree. I'm not sure how to get there. What about the fire of vision? What about the fire of hope? What about the fire, the fire of vision? Let's just touch on that for a little second. We know what Proverbs says, that without a vision, we know the people perish. What that means is this, that without a godly vision, people meander. Without a godly vision, people cast off all godly restraint. And they lose that sense that, that almost that fear and that reverence of God and they're living life according to their own ways and not the ways of the Lord. So we're in a dangerous place if we don't have a godly vision within us. But again, the scripture in three times it says, don't let the fire go out. So in verse 11 of Leviticus 6, 6 um, he says, take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside of the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. So here we're starting to pick something up. It says, one, we need to be wearing the right kind of clothing. We need to put on the right kind of garments. And the other thing is that the ashes need to go outside of the camp, wear the right garments, put, put the ashes outside and keep the wood on the fire. This week, no, not this week, last week and the week before, I felt in my own personal private time with the Lord to sort of, in a sense, come back to the altar, to come back to the altar. Now, um, that word and, you know, I don't know what picture comes into your mind when I say that it wasn't that I built an altar of stone or timber or, you know, had anything going. It was simply this place in here that came to the altar of the Lord. It was like, God, I've got to surrender some things over to you. I can't carry this any further. It's like you've carried this around for so long. You've thought about it in a million different ways. You've 
had conversations, you know those personal conversations that go on in your head and you've had the conversations, the answers, the retort, the retaliation, the argument in your head and if I get a chance there, this is what I'm going to say and then you have the conversation all over again and it goes to bed with you, you wake up with it, you go through your day with it and this convert and I thought I can't carry this any more and I came to the altar I came to the altar and I said, God, I surrender the ashes at the altar right now. These ashes that I'm carrying around, that have got on my clothing, that have got on my thinking, that have got into my conversation with just one or two people, those ashes that I've carried around, what are the ashes? They're the ashes of disappointment. They're the ashes of pain. They're the ashes of regret. They're the ashes of compromise. They're the ashes of shame or the re, re, all kinds of ashes, walls that are broken down, relationships that have changed, the ashes of unforgiveness. If anyone came to me and said, do I have to forgive? I'd say, well, yes, that's what the Bible says. And yet deep in your heart, you're carrying around some ash. I got some ashes here and I'm not sure I want to let them go. You know what I mean? It's like these are justified ashes. And it's not right and it's not fair. And the Lord began to deal with me and said, it's time to put the ashes outside. They don't belong on your clothing. They don't belong on you. And I came to the altar and I simply came to the Lord and I began to think about the, ta the um, tabernacle where they used to come to the brazen altar, and you know. And I thought, well, you know, we don't really go like in, from Old Testament understanding to a brazen altar, but we sure become come before the throne of grace today, confidently and boldly before him. And I began to tie it all together and I'm coming to the altar and I said, God, there's the ash of this and there's the ash of that and the, the ash of, oh, you know, the list was long. I got to tell you, these ashes had built up. And do you know what happened as I did that? As I began to surrender and release those ashes, do you know what happened? The Lord began to speak to me about what he'd done at the cross. He began to speak to me out of Exodus 15 how the, the waters of Marah had become bitter. And those waters had become bitter through complaining and grumbling and, you know, all of those things that we're all capable of doing. And he said to Moses, throw the wood into the water and turn the bitter waters sweet. And I'm standing at this altar. I'd love to say I was kneeling, but if I get down there, it's not easy getting up these days. But, you know, in my heart, I was at the altar. And so I'm there and I said, but Lord, come on, you know, you saw this and you heard that and you knew that. And da he said, we're putting the ashes there. And I'm at the altar and as I'm there, I said, God, what is the wood? I know the wood you gave to Moses, but what is the wood for me today? And he said to me, it's the cross that you put into those bitter waters. And let's, through the cross, what I've done on the cross, turn those bitter waters sweet. And I did that and began to pray about that, walk that out. Began to walk that out because ash can get on you. Ash can get on your thinking. 
It can get on your perspective. It can get into your ears. If ever you've been in a fire situation, that ash, what does it do? You can no longer see. You can no longer hear. You can taste it. It's right through your clothing. And they had to change their clothes and put the ash outside of the camp. And if ever you build a fire, if that ash keeps building up, what does it do? It snuffs out the fire. You get a bunch of smoke and no flames. And I tell you, it's time. If ever I was speaking with the authority of the Holy Spirit, it's right now. It's right now. It is time to put the ashes away. Whatever that means for you. I knew what it meant for me. And was the ash, was it a justified feeling that I was in? Yes, it was. But who knows that God looks at things through his righteousness and not our own. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. But he looks at us through his eyes of righteousness. And as I'm at this altar moment, which I've been to several times over in the last few weeks, the Lord began to speak to me about what he did at the cross. And with, with that, he began to remind me, this is what I did at the cross. This is who you are. You're a daughter of Abraham. I've redeemed you from the curse of the law. I've lifted you up. You're not in a place of, um, you know, where you can't rise up from this. This is not who you are. This is not what I did for you. This is what the blood of Jesus has done. I was about to open that up a little more and I'm trying to be careful with my words here. But he began to remind me what he did at the cross and began to speak to me about, I am the redeemed of the Lord. So I'd gone from God, get this off me and deal with that situation there because that's what needs to happen. And instead of that, he began to deal with this. And that's what happens when we come to the altar and we put the ash outside. What does your ash look like right now? Have you been wearing it? Have you been thinking it? Have you been speaking it? Have you been carrying it around? It's time to put it away. In fact, it's time to put it outside so that a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit can burn in you again. Verse 12, and I'll try and close with this because time is... <laughs> David says that, but the rest of you are saying, when's lunch? You know. Are you okay? What a church. See, Ormo does not treat me this way. It just doesn't. Verse 12, the wood had to be replenished, which means that every single day, fresh firewood had to come onto the fire. The ash had to go, fresh wood had to come. Fresh garments had to come, fresh wood had to come. Ash had to go, fresh garments, fresh wood. You get where I'm going every single day. How do we do this? How do we keep the fire burning? I've touched on a few things. Number one is honesty of heart, to be honest with you. It just is. Sometimes you've just got to do some heart surgery on yourself. We so often want to do heart surgery on this one. Gee, I hope they're in the meeting today. They really need this message. You know what I mean? 
or I might send them that podcast or, gee, there's something good on you. They really need to hear this. And then the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you and says, don't worry about them. Let's deal with the ash on you. Let's change some garments on you. Let's renew your mind. Let's change your perspective. Let's not carry around the stuff you've been carrying around because the fire is barely burning in you and it's because the ash is built up. Replenish the wood every day, they were told to do. I believe that aside from the obvious things, we've got to stir up the gift of God within us. And that really is a daily thing. Next time I come to you, I want to talk about one thing being the main thing. I don't have time to go there today, but Hebrews 10.23 says this to us, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. Let's just stay there. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. If we're going to keep this fire burning, one of the things that God has taught me over the years, and it's one of the, sometimes the hardest things, because we want to visit the ash pile. We just do. I just want to grovel in the ash. My brokenness is there. My pain is there. My regret is there. My sorrow is there. My everything is there. Just leave me in the ash. But if we're going to let the fire burn again, one of the things that I believe that keeps the fire going is our confession. It is our confession. My confession is I will praise the Lord. I just will praise the Lord. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And not forget his benefits. Wait a minute. Bless the Lord, O my soul. My soul is in pain. My soul is hurting. My soul wants to retaliate. My soul wants to gossip. My soul wants to tell you how bad it is. My soul wants to tell you that three people have just disappointed me and let me down. My soul wants to tell my story. And if you do that, you'll stay in the ash. You'll stay in the ash. Put the ashes outside. Remember our confession of hope. I will praise the Lord, O my soul. My confession is that not one single weapon that's been formed against me will prosper. My confession is, have there been weapons that have been formed? You bet. And I can give you the list. But my confession is, not one of those is going to prosper. Not one of those is going to remain. They're going to die out. And guess who's left standing? Us. Us. Our confession matters more than what we've given time, thought and attention to. My confession is this, that strongholds can and will be broken. My confession is that God always was. He was the God in the Old Testament. He was the God in the New Testament. And he's still the God today in 2022. He's still the same. 
and my confession remains the same, that mountains will be made level, tables will be turned, and I will hold fast to the confession of hope. When I went to the altar in the last few weeks, what rose up in me was this confession. I went to the altar with the confession of disappointment. I came out with the confession of hope. I came out with the confession that I am the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the daughter of the King. I came out with a confession of God. I don't know how it all plays out, but none of that is even my business. I will not, cannot carry the ashes of yesterday, of that stuff anymore. Those ashes will not be on my garment for the robe of righteousness is on me. That's what the blood of Jesus did for me. Our confession matters. And we sometimes enable the ashes in our life simply because our confession has aligned with that and not aligned with the Word. One of the things that I've noticed with people that go the distance is hunger. Is a hunger. But our spiritual life needs to be looked after. It just does. It needs to be looked after. And we've got to look after it according to God's ways and not ours. It just needs to be looked after. A fire needs to be fed. A fire needs wood to burn. A fire needs our faith to be present. A fire needs our confession to be there. A fire needs the words of God. I heard the story of a man who was just a teenager and he was diagnosed with a disease that they gave him six months to live. He was raised as a Buddhist and he kept crying out to Buddha, Buddha, come and heal me, come and heal me, come and heal me. Kept saying it over and over and over in a chant. Well, Buddha never showed up. Buddha never turned up. And some little Christian girl came and spoke to him about the the real Jesus came and spoke to him and said, do you know there's a Jesus that heals? There's a God who heals? And he got sick of calling out to Buddha one day and he began to call upon the little girl's God. And he began to say, Jesus, Buddha's not showing up, so how about you show up instead if you're real? Jesus showed up, healed him, and he lived a full life all the way through to his 80s. The real Jesus shows up when we call on his name. The real Jesus shows up when we've got the right confession of faith and of hope and of trust in him. The real Jesus shows up in our story. That's how you keep the fire alive. Psalm 85, 4 says, Restore us again, O my Saviour, and put away any displeasure you have toward us. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again? that your people might rejoice in you. Here's the caution I have with that. We read scriptures like that and say, just waiting for God to show, just waiting for him to turn up. Maybe today he'll restore. Maybe today he'll revive. Here's what I've learned. God looks for hunger. He looks for a desire. He looks for a people that say, God, I'm following you. Even in the nighttime, even in the process, even in the waiting, even in the beginnings, the in-betweens and the afters. He looks for a God, who, uh, a people who have got a hunger, a thirst, a interest, a desire for Him. And then He comes and revives and restores. Will you not restore us again? It's time to put the ashes away. 
put on the right kind of garments. Let's look like the church. If we're going to be the church, let's look like the church. If we're going to be the church, let's talk like the church. If we're going to be the church, let's think like the church. If we're going to be the church, let's pray like the church. Let's act like believers on the earth. Put the ashes outside. Change your clothes. If you're in this place today and there's ash all over you, and you're sure hoping someone notices that ash, you're just hoping someone, and, and one of the things that I learned was that this, and please don't misunderstand me when I say this, but the worst thing, if I'm going through a battle, is for someone to sympathize with my sorrow. It's the worst thing for me. My personality is not great. If you, Because what it does, it keeps me there. It keeps me in the ash. I need someone to say, get up, rise up, pray up, believe again, praise through your sadness, get your confession of hope happening, open up the pages of God's Word again and let His Word dwell in you. Then you can roll up your mat and begin to walk again. God can start to restore and revive you again. Put the ashes away from you. God reminds you who we are, he, you are and what He's done. And don't let the fire go out. Change where you are today. Don't give in to the the whatevers of an enemy. And sometimes we don't recognise him. Sometimes we don't recognise him, but what he does, he dismantles, he weakens, he disrupts, he uproots. Dig a well where you're at. Let the fire grow where you're at. And I've run out of time. I'll close with this scripture. Genesis 18, 7 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? God is showing us what he's about to do. He has shown us what he's about to do. He's stirring something within us what he's about to do. He's awakening something within us what he's about to do. He's opening up our eyes again with a fresh perspective on what He's about to do. Our ears are opening up what He's about to do. The desire of God is rising in us. Why? Because I'm about to do something. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? God is not hiding from His people what He's about to do. But it's time for us. It's time for the ashes to be gone. Wear the robes of righteousness. Wear the robes that God has given us. And to put fresh fire on the wood, on the fire. Let fresh wood go on the fire and let the fire burn and keep the fire burning every single day. That's an abbreviated version of about another two hours I want with you but I think you get it. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for your church today. I pray for your people. I pray for these families. I pray for everyone in the room and even those that couldn't be here today. Father, I pray, let the fire burn within us afresh. 
I asked you, Holy Spirit, that you would move up and down the rows, speak to individual lives. What is the ash that we've been carrying around? It's time to put it outside, put on the right garments of praise, not the garments of heaviness. Put on the right garments, oh God, of our righteousness, of what you did at the cross. Throw the cross into the bitter waters and turn the bitter waters sweet and to get the confession of hope rising out of our mouth again, Lord. And we thank you that out of that, you will indeed revive and restore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've loved being with you. God bless you. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.